You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you today by Built Bar. I love it. If you tried it, you'd love it too. Go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCKEDON15. We're going to talk about the Mariners series. Uh, we're going to take some time digging into all these games. I think of all of them, Sunday drove me the craziest. Uh, not necessarily because Bieber struggled. At some point, he's going to have an off game. Uh, you know, it's he had an off game in the playoffs. It's not like he has uh, been perfect for a year plus. They happen. Yes, his uh, strikeout streak is over now. Again, Things like this happen. There were bigger issues in that game, and we'll talk about that. We're going to preview the uh, upcoming series against the Angels, and we're also going to start off by just let's take a, a look around the uh, Central. Let's talk about how this weekend went for you know a team other than the Indians. After their uh, you know, it, I think the biggest stinger for me it's like we were feeling good about the Indians, weren't we? Like as a fan base, we were feeling strong. They had had a good run, and then. They ran into a fourth place team, and it was an absolute buzzsaw performance. Uh, though again, you know, in fairness, Seattle may not be a fourth place team after taking three out of four from the Indians. If I quickly open their page and go look, uh, they're now a third place team. So there you go. So let's talk about the White Sox. They faced the Royals this past weekend. They are still in first. There was a makeup uh, due to a rain delay, so they played four games in three days. Good weekend for the Royals, two out of two after all of their struggles to split a series. That's a definite uh, advantage, Royals, in that one uh, in terms of just the overall performance. There's still four games behind the Indians because they have struggled so badly this month. And the Indians remain two and a half behind the White Sox as they lost a game, right? Because they, they won one out of four and the White Sox won two out of four. Uh, twins, two out of three lost to the Athletics. And this is important to point out because, yeah, you can have a bad stretch. That happens in baseball. But the bigger problem is, like, how do the Twins write this ship to make the playoffs? I mean, their percentage to make the playoffs is down to 9%. They are still last in the division. 9%. They are starting so bad that it is, it is a really big climb they have to make. 342 winning percentage, 13 and 25. I don't know how they do it. It's... Uh, I mean, this is one of those things where you look at this team, it's going to cost somebody a job. I'm not saying they're going to fire the management. I think they have to be happy with the management's done. But there's going to be some poor hitting coach, pitching coach, somebody is going to end up uh, you know, taking the hit for a team that was supposed to be a playoff contender and is still right now is looking, I mean, again, I think they'll rebound. But just to get up to 500, they need to be you know, 12 games over 500 to the rest of the year to get there. That's that's a lot. That is a big hill for them to climb. We'll see how it goes, but you have to point that out. And then the Tigers lost two out of three to the Cubs. The Tigers, not last in the division, should be pointed out. Zero percent chance to make the playoffs by Fangraphs ranking, but they are. Uh, I guess they're they have a higher winning percentage, but they are technically as many games back. They are fourteen and twenty six for three fifty winning percentage, which puts them ahead of the Twins. Ugly at the bottom. Uh, and ugly is also a word we can describe to talk about the Indians this past weekend. Let's just go through these games in order. Let's start out by talking about the Friday game. 
I, maybe I didn't give Chris Flexen enough credit when I was doing the pre-record. I did say to bet the over in this one. If you had, you made money. Don't forget to send me my share. I'm kidding. Uh, the Indians only manage three runs on nine hits, and that's kind of the story of this whole weekend to me is they had base runners. They just didn't put anything together. Uh, nine hits, one walk. The other side only had two walks. The Indians also, there was a wild pitch by Flexen and a hit by batter uh, by the Twins as well. So the, that's two extra, you know, base runner opportunities. So in terms of like going through and counting up like base running opportunities, you got those two, plus you've got the walk, plus you've got the error. So that's four. Four plus nine is 13 opportunities, three runs off of that. Other side of things, the Twins had seven plus two. They had nine opportunities because they didn't have any of those added extras. So... I'm sorry, they had 10 hits, so 10 plus 2 is 12. I was looking at the wrong part there. Uh, but still, they had 12 to the Indians, 14. They got 7 runs, the Indians got 3. And that's what it comes down to. The Indians were putting the ball in play, but they've really struggled all year to put things together. And that's, when we get to talking about Sunday's game, that'll come back around again. It's <sighs> Manufacturing runs has not come to this team at all this year, and they've struggled with it really consistently over the course of the year. Uh, now, I had someone help me with my pronunciation, and I should have kept it up. So Mitch is Hanager. I think I said it correctly. Let me know if I did not. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to someone who very kindly pointed out the pronunciation. I know pronunciation is not always my fort, forte, however you want to uh, announce it, but to b- baseball, at baseball underscore wahoo, who pointed that out to me, that is Han Iger. So I think I got it right this time. But he had a, a great weekend. Uh, in terms of home runs, he is now tied for the Major League lead with Judge, Acuna, and Otani. So, yeah, he got uh, he got rich off the Indians this weekend. And again, I think he makes a lot of sense if Seattle does start to struggle to be someone to acquire. Uh, there's going to be value there because of the home runs. It might make it almost too hard for him to acquire. We will have to wait and see. But, yeah, this game, I mean, Josh Naylor was great. Savali, that's another, like, it's not that he's been bad. This was not a particularly strong performance with seven hits over six and two-thirds, six strikeouts, one walk, five earned. Phil Maton gets uh, lit up in a third of an inning, gives up two hits, two earned runs, the home run. Hadn't seen Trevor Steffen in a while. He comes in and pitches a clean inning, has one hit, one walk, no earned runs, two strikeouts. Uh, that means that Maiton's ERA is now higher than Trevor Steffen's. Maiton is really struggling, but he's not getting consistent innings. I don't know how you balance it out, but he's a player where uh, I wonder if they decide to go and make a move if he's kind of the next guy off roster. Because, you know, you if you take off Steffen, you lose him. If you take off some of the other players, you risk losing them. So it's a situation where unless they're going to move someone like Hench's back down at some point, uh, his job is probably the most precarious of anyone in that pen right now. Three stars in this one. Ooh. Well, who reached base twice? Cesar Hernandez, uh, Luplo had a big performance. Josh Naylor, as I mentioned. Now, I have to be honest, Friday nights, I crashed about 9.50 my time, so about 10.50 uh, out on the uh East, ugh, why am I blanking on how to say this out on the uh, the East Coast there? So I really did not get a chance to see a ton of this one uh, in general. But 
I mean, Naylor and Luplo are rather easy. And then I think just give it to Cesar, who has played better of late. Uh, but still, a lot of... I, the problem is you mentioned this team had nine hits. Naylor and Luplo had six of them. Yadin Hernandez, that's eight of their nine hits. The only other one went to Hedges, and they only had the two walks. Now, you would think they could have strung a little more together when two guys hitting back-to-back in the lineup go three for four. It just didn't happen. Uh, man, and Luplo at that point in time was still hitting under 200 uh for as hot as he was in the early goings he you know he needed this performance uh he needed to come back flexing five and two thirds five hits zero strikeouts one walk one earned run and that's also bad luck like when a guy isn't striking out anyone uh things should fall in and they did not i mentioned how great kendall graveman's been he came in and was the guy as a hold instead of the save in this one just a really strong performance. He continues to be arguably their best player this year. But yeah, it's it's a game you should win. End of, this, end of story. Like Flexen, they made him look better than he is. They didn't take advantage of opportunities. Savali giving up five runs puts him in a hard spot. But this is a situation where you should beat the Mariners when they're pitching a guy who, not to knock Flexen again, but this is not a, a high-end arm. Uh, it's a situation where they should have been successful, and unfortunately they weren't. We'll talk about the next two games after a quick message from our sponsors. You out there listening uh, know I like it when we have a new sponsor, and we have that today. Uh, investing can be complicated, whether you're a beginner or, you're been inve- or you've been investing for years. Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Uh, no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get that first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB. That's W E A L T H F R O N T dot com slash locked on mlb one word to start growing your savings go to wealthfront.com backslash locked on mlb and get started today i want to tell everyone about the locker room app i had a fun time i want to make sure i get the right person in here and talk about it saturday night before the uh indians game i jumped on and had a nice talk with brandon dibble we just kind of i gave him the room to speak since i'm using the android app the chat function for typing isn't quite appearing yet but you know i I'm trusting people. Now, sometimes I'll get burned, so I will give you that. But what's fun about Locker Room is he and I just had, it was like having a conversation about baseball. Uh, It was just two guys discussing. Uh, You know, he asked me, I remember about Bobby Bradley, and I admitted first baseman I seemed to miss on, so maybe the best thing I could do is be not high on him. But we talked about wide-ranging topics, talked about college baseball, talked about the Indians, all sorts of things. So remember to join me. Typically, it's going to be Saturdays right before, right after, or during the Indians game, I'm going to hop on Twitter. I always say, hey, I'm going on Locker Room now. Uh, it's just one of those things of trying to figure out the best time in life to go out there. Uh, you know, I might sometime soon do it during the week and make that one of the episodes to record. And that would be a chance for people to pop in and do that. I might try and do a bit of a mailbag. Who knows? We'll see. But it could be a fun way to uh, get every to use the Locker Room app even more. And again, when you have good people like at B1Dibble, uh, it's fun. I stayed on longer than I planned to because it was just nice to talk baseball with someone. So go check out Locker Room today. 
So I have these two other games to talk about. We might end up saving the full preview for the Angels for Tuesday's show and just doing the pitching matchup for Monday because there's a few things I did want to talk about uh, in terms of what happened over this weekend. Uh, One, uh, Pat Cunningham, I think I've mentioned, is going to join once a week as a co-host on the show and eventually a solo host for one night a week, help take a little bit off my plate. He is also covering Lake County for Indians Baseball Insider, so he's going to have some inside view there. And speaking of Lake County, uh, George Valera left a game with an oblique injury. This team has so few outfield prospects, almost nobody behind him, at least in terms of someone in a ball or higher, that him going down with an oblique, which can take a long time to heal properly, is a big blow, and it's something to definitely pay attention to. Uh, I'll wait for additional information. But yeah, that was something that came out. And then we have to take a moment and talk about Bernie P. I can't think what his last name is. He's one of those guys who's written at a dozen places. He used to be a scout for the Astros. Uh, He wrote a fan graphs. I think he's at Forbes now. And uh, people, I mean, there are people who absolutely love Bernie. I got nothing against him. I met him once covering the double-A Akron All-Star game. And, you know, we were just kind of discussing things a bit freewheeling up there. And uh, we definitely got a dirty look for not following uh, whatever view he thought we should be in a overly cramped. <laughs> I'm literally at the edge of a riser falling off because they had put in risers because there's so much media. And we're just talking about the game, talking about how the minors have gone this year and the like, uh, getting excited about Nick Pavetta hitting like 99, just being like, ooh, that's interesting. Like we didn't think he brought it that high. I mean, the Akron radar guns are a little bit juiced, let's be honest, but things like that. So Bernie had a total ax to grind. Uh, and I thought we had to talk about it because long and short of it, he talked about how, you know, G- Jesus Aguilar is having an amazing year. Like he's having an utterly fantastic year. So it came up where some, he was like, I just wish the Indians had given him more of a chance. That's like, okay, well, fair enough. Like, yeah, maybe they should have, but let's set up the story. Why Jesus Aguilar didn't get a chance. They had Carlos Santana at first base. Who's one of the 10 best hitters in Indians history, 15 best hitters in Indians history by most, uh, stats and numbers and then uh they signed edwin encarnacion to the largest contract in team history so you combine those two things and there wasn't really a spot for jesus so he did get a very limited shot and i was never high on him he's one of those first base prospects that i missed on so if you want to say he didn't get a full opportunity and he should have okay you can probably find that there were opportunities in there at points in time when the indians could have used a bat they could have used a hitter the the approach he took, though, was that it was monetarily based or that everything comes down to economics because they had given him a chance and he had succeeded, then they would have had to pay him. But that's every, like, it was the, and then he, you know, he posted all the tweets from people defending him, but it was like the worst straw man argument I've ever seen. And the reason it was like the worst ever, it's, it's very easy to attack the Indians for being cheap. And you can find really good examples. And this is not a situation where you have to dig so deep to be like, well, they didn't play Jesus Aguilar because... They were afraid that they're going to have to pay him down the road. It's like, well, then what's the point of even playing the game if you're afraid you're going to have to pay someone down the road and that it all comes back to financials because it's the Indians? It was a bad argument. Like, it's one thing to say, you know, the Indians missed on Aguilar. They didn't give an opportunity. But the counter argument, frankly, to that is Milwaukee gave him away for a failed pitcher they were hoping they could fix. Now, Milwaukee has had some success fixing arms, and they were hoping to do that. It didn't work out. But after his all-star appearance, that first one, they ended up trading him away very cheaply, uh, moving on and deciding he was, you know, that that was a hot first half. He goes to Tampa. Tampa signs uh, Tsutugo, who they just basically had to give away 
I think they got like 400k in savings by trading him to the Dodgers. But they uh, they waived Aguilar. They, they he wasn't even a guy that was kept in Tampa, so he was cut by three teams before ending up with Miami. Or cut by two teams and traded on the cheap by a third. So it's much like the Giovanni Urshela situation where you can get mad about opportunity. In Urshela's, Urshela's case, at least there was a need at third at the time that one could argue uh, he was more deserving of the opportunity that was before Jose Ramirez had settled into that position. But Aguilar, Urshela, they're both a pair of players who right now are looking like you know they're much better than anyone anticipated. And they were both cut by or let go extremely cheap by three different organizations or three times before they really uh, found their full stride. And it, like I said, it was one of those things where there are a lot of people on Twitter I don't always agree with. And there's a lot of people where we we debate on Twitter. We have different takes and it's fine. I think I can learn from them. I hope that maybe they learn some things from me, but whatever. I, I think it's important to take in different points of view. But this was a unifier that we all stood back and went, that's one of the worst tanks we've seen all year. Like that was a unifier amongst Cleveland Twitter of this is someone who clearly has an ax to grind, an old school scout, not a big fan of the Indians approaches and just sitting there, you know, we all make bad takes. And I think I would be the first person you should hear me on this show admit, okay, I had a bad take. Okay. I, what I said was not correct. Or now that I've had a chance to talk with someone else and kind of see things, uh, I was wrong. And this was a situation where someone needed to have that ability, needed to have the humility to be like, okay, yeah, I, this clearly was not about money. You can, I meant to just say they should have given him an opportunity to play. And it's a shame that he didn't get that there because they need a first baseman now. But again, even if you stretch that out, even if the Indians had given him that opportunity, the likelihood of him staying in Cleveland is low because he didn't stay in Milwaukee or Tampa because he wasn't productive. And we'll have to see if, again, this is a brand new player with Ag- what Aguilar is doing uh, at an older, relatively older age to be making such adjust- adjustments, or if this is going to be like the year he was an all-star in Milwaukee, where it's a, where he has a sublime first half and then kind of fades back to being more that league average bat. Now, league average sounds amazing at first base right now, but again, the Cleveland Indians had Edwin Encarnacion, who they gave the biggest contract in team history, and to argue that they did not play Jesus Aguilar uh, because of money, so they could then go out and sign the biggest contract in team history is just one of the silliest things I've seen all week, and I had to talk about it on the show. Uh, and just the bottom line here is, again, you can say what you want to say about the Aguilar situation. He was released uh, right before the twenty or after the 2016 season, hadn't really played in 15 or 16 in the big leagues. And to think that he would still be in Cleveland you know, four years later is, is probably unlikely. Cause again, as a hitter, 2017 was a 114 OPS plus 135 dips to 87 comes back to a 118 last year. And then a 152 so far, again, we'll see how that keeps going, but the Indians have been very impatient with that position and the profile is still similar. Like he, he doesn't walk at a high percentage. He does strike out a lot. The power was there in 2018. It has not been there. I mean, he had 12 home runs in 2019, for instance. So we'll see. Again, he's been close to a league average bat. He's been valuable. The Indians missed the boat with him, but it had nothing to do with money. Let's just end that debate right there. You know what time it is. We have not talked about bet online yet. So let's go over to bet online and see what the line is for tomorrow's game against the Angels. 
the on the mound. If you do not know, it is going to be Henches versus Patrick Sandoval, a pair of arms that I have uh, many uh, for both pitchers. Uh, thought that I thought would be thought that I thought uh, both of them are a pair of arms that uh, I thought their best outcome for the future was in the pen. Uh, pair of lefties, good velocity. The Indians are getting a run and a half. That is a little bit interesting. Uh, Over-under is nine, so they expect this to be a high-scoring affair. The Indians should do well against lefties. I know I'm laughing because uh, that wasn't the case this past weekend, and it wasn't the case last weekend either. Uh, They seem to play better during the week than the weekend. Maybe uh, they'll turn around. Remember that when you go to betonline.ag, you want to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 5-0, 50% bonus on your first deposit. Who doesn't want free money? I mean, it's it's free money on your first deposit when you use that promo code Locked On. Remember that is BetOnline.ag official partner when it comes to Locked On with all things lines and the such. Go check out BetOnline for yourself. Before we talk about this last two games with the uh, Mariners, let's just very quickly looking ahead to this matchup. We'll do the who's better at each position type of deal uh, coming up uh, on tomorrow's show, and we'll preview the other two matchups. Patrick Sandoval only has about 80 uh, innings in the big leagues. It's rather limited because uh, he has struggled. He has been unable to solidify himself as a starter. What is interesting is his how much lower his XFIP is than his FIP. Now, what does that tell us right off the bat? Incredibly home run prone. Now, the reason that an XFIP is lower is because it standardizes and says that everyone should have about the same home run rate. It's why I typically don't use XFIP because... I'm an Indians fan, so I got to see Josh Tomlin as a pitcher, so I know that uh, home run rates can differ uh, amongst hitters. Now, you go through his overall line, and he strikes out lefties at a very high rate. He walks righties at a little bit of a higher rate, also strikes them out at a good rate, but not quite as high. But he is extremely home run prone against lefties, uh, much higher against right-handers. So his ex-FIP... Is actually lower versus lefties, which again, not surprising, but his FIP is higher versus lefties because of that home run rate. So the XFIP is lower, the FIP is higher. So I don't know. I don't think you really change the lineup with Sandoval in there at all. Uh, if you have a lefty who's a power hitter, maybe you leave them in. Uh, he is going to get strikeouts. He is going to get through the lineup. But I think on the whole, it's just he has been someone who has struggled. It's a toss-up game because I'm not completely all in on henches yet. So that's my quick note on tomorrow's game before we dive into these last two Mariners-Indians games. Now, we don't have a ton of time left in the show, and I feel like conservatively I could have spent this entire show talking just about Sunday's game. So let's first talk about Saturday's game. 7-3 to three loss by the Indians. Uh, I guess for the Indians is really by when they lose it. Uh, you look in the box score, and it's all Jose or Harold Ramirez in this one on Saturday. Double, home run, total bases, RBI. Pitching-wise, McKenzie can't last five innings, six strikeouts, three walks, two home runs, five earned runs on five hits. And you look at you know the big chunk of those runs. What happened again? He walks two guys lead off an inning and then gives up a home run. And every time he walks someone, it seems to come back to, to bite him in the backside. And that's just been his story is when he was in the minors this is a guy who had a walks per nine of under under three and in the majors there's just these points where he seems to lose it for a bit and it always seems to come back to get him it came back to haunt him Quantrell comes in gives up a pair of hits doesn't help out the situation 
then Sandlin, you know, manages to walk two guys and then give up a triple in the ninth to really put this one out of reach. Uh, Sheffield, six innings, five hits, two walks, two strikeouts, two runs. The Indians had six hits and three walks. They didn't have as many opportunities as they had, honestly, the rest of the series, one wild pitch. On the other side of things, you know, they managed five walks against the Indians with eight hits. It was just a, you know, your your stars in this one are pretty clearly the Ramirez's between Jose and Harold. And, I mean, again, you have six hits. The only other person who had a hit was Eddie Rosario. Those, Jose had three, Harold had two. Uh, you had a walk to Luplo, a walk to Jose, and a walk to Rosario. So Rosario did reach base twice. I mean, honestly, it's like the pen, the starting. It's You probably give it to Eddie Rosario on this one because he had a hit and a walk. Hey, he had two points. I mean, you're, Jose Ramirez, Jose Ramirez are pretty easily the star, one, two stars, and then the third one is Eddie Rosario. Uh, this was a game, I mean, the you look at the bottom of the lineup going, you know, 0 for 11 with five punch outs. You look at the very top of the lineup going 0 for 7 with a walk. And what are you going to do? That's your big bands of this offense doing nothing in this one. That's that's just what happened. And then let's talk about this Sunday game. So I understand that I just gave Eddie Rosario one of the stars in the game yesterday. But I have also spent a week talking about how he needs to be moved down in the lineup because he's struggling uh, he's struggling a lot. Instead of moving him down, they move him up. And how they move him up, they put him in a spot that analytically is considered the place for your best hitter in your lineup. That is where you want your number one hitter. And you move Eddie Rosario up to that spot. So that's that's moment number one. Uh, we can get into the situation. Should we get into the eighth inning? Should we just start there? So, I mean, Bieber, again, it just... He's not going to be perfect. He had an off day. It happens. And then, I'm sorry, it was the seventh, not the eighth. Ahmed Rosario singles. Cesar Hernandez singles. So you have runners on first and second. So what do you do? You have Eddie Rosario up, and then you have Jose Ramirez on deck. The Indians bunt, which is the dumbest move you can conceivably make. Why is it the dumbest move you can make by a land slide here? Because when you bunt Eddie Rosario, they're going to intentionally walk your best hitter. They're going to intentionally walk the one guy who's a real threat. Fran Mill has been good, but Fran Mill has been inconsistent. Jose Ramirez is your best hitter by a significant margin. In a sack bunt, gives away a, you have got runners in first and second. You have nobody out. You've got the heart of your lineup coming up. So let's give away an out to advance those base runners. Two base runners who can run. It's not like they can't run. These are two players who both run very well. So you sack bunt because you're going to get yourself out of the double play, I guess. Maybe you're going to put them in scoring position. But you're also giving up an out. You're giving up one of the three in the inning. And when the third one happens, you're done. So you only have really two of those to play with. So they give up that. They intentionally walk Ramirez double play. And yes, Fran Mill double play is the worst thing you can do in that situation. But it doesn't change the fact that you set that you had a opportunity and you helped play yourself into that. Like they got he they got outsmarted they got outplayed it was very dumb because you're taking the bat by doing that out of your bester's hands everyone knew what was going to come after that sack bunt and then like okay bases loaded one out well double play is not what you're hoping for and then if we go back to the six before that 
I mean, I tried to watch on replay. They didn't have a lot of good angles on it, but when Bowers hit that double, honestly, I would have sent Luplo. And if I'm Luplo, I'm running the whole way. I'm knowing the importance of that run, that it's going to tie the game. And I'm knowing who's on deck. And I'm knowing that Austin, and I'm knowing, I don't even think I'm using correct grammar here. I'm so annoyed. Uh, I know that Hedges is almost an out every time he's up, that he is someone who struggles offensively. It's like having a pitcher. So just run wild. Like, try to score on that one. Uh, it may not have even had any chance, but I, maybe you catch him sleeping. Maybe you catch him unaware. I, the angles obviously made it look like it was a very low chance. But then, again, when you have Hedges being the next guy up and Hedges' offensive profile for his career, where, like, I am not kidding, there are points in time where it would be smarter to DH for him than for your pitcher if that was allowed. It would be. There are hitters or pitchers who hit better than Hedges. In that situation, knowing what it's like, you should be treating it like there's two outs. Just run like wild. If he gets thrown out at home, he gets thrown out at home. The, the odds of Hedges doing something are low. And, you know, he probably struck out. So those are like this, the the sixth and the seventh. Just those were the innings that stood out to me. Oh, and again, Rosario batting struggling so let's move him up to the most important part analytically in your lineup oh that's awesome that's really awesome uh he did manage a walk in this one in fairness to him the indians had seven hits four walks uh there was a wild pitch and an intentional walk so you're looking at you know seven four plus two 13 like base runner opportunities nine walks by indians pitchers in this one nine yeah, nine walks. I mean, that is so many walks. They only had five hits, but why did they end up with three runs? Why did they win this? Because of nine walks. Uh, Bieber struggled four and two thirds, five hits, four walks, seven strikeouts, three runs, all earned. Uh, Phil Maton comes in, one inning, one walk, one strikeout. Shaw, one inning, two walks, a strikeout. Class A, one inning, two walks, two strikeouts. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least it's weird to see Bieber not give up a home run. I didn't sit down and dig in to see when the last time he had a start that he hadn't given up a home run. Felt like that hadn't happened this year. I, who didn't have a walk outside of Walton and uh, Kelnick? Everyone else managed at least one walk in the Mariners lineup. Ugh, three-two loss. This was a loss that should not have been. I, this is one you sit back and you go lineup. Can, and, and whoever's out there who left that review who's like they're tired of hearing me talk about the lineup. When you put Rosario 2, you're going to hear about the lineup. And then just in general, bunts are bad. Like if I if I had a T Public store, that would be Locked On Indians, and the shirt would say bunts are bad, and that would just be it. That That's my one. It, it's just frustrating, especially in that situation where you take the bat away from your best hitter because we all, everyone, everyone listening to this podcast knows enough about baseball to go, okay, so they're going to just walk Ramirez. That's how this works. And they did. And then everything worked out exactly for the other team, and they ended up getting a win. Uh, now, let's say that Eddie Rosario hits into a double play. Well, you still end up with a runner at third with two outs and Jose Ramirez at the plate. I would rather be in that situation. I would rather run the dice. Run the dice? Nope. Roll the dice with Jose Ramirez over just about anyone else in any situation. Uh, it's a bad call, plain and simply. Much like I talked about that tweet earlier being a bad take. Bad call, bad take. Uh, maybe for some out there, this is a bad episode. But I hope you've enjoyed it. 
another episode of Locked End Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Uh, tomorrow we'll be previewing the Angels. And then Wednesday's show, I'll be talking with my new co-host, Pat Ellington. So make sure to tune in.